This is Money Stories, Episode 13, Cybersecurity and Faith with Aaron Munoz. Hi, and welcome to Money Stories, a podcast where we interview fellow Catholics and Christians so we can all learn from their personal money stories. I'm Caitlin Kano, wife, mom, financial counselor, and student of all things stewardship. Hi there, I'm Diana, and I am a fourth grade teacher, a children's book author, and I am a young adult parish missionary, and we're excited to be here together today um, talking about some awesome money stuff. Yeah, so Diana, how are you doing? I'm really good. I just finished my summer school classes. I'm teaching a little bit of summer school to the fourth and fifth graders at my school, um, and today was actually really cool. We had this guy named Cesar the Llama, like an actual llama, come on, and it was super weird, and but it was super cool. The llama's like... I guess super famous and he was super cuddly and cute. Obviously it was all through Zoom, but it was something totally different that we would have never normally done had it just not been all virtual. So it was a really cool experience for us. Oh, so, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, you these experiences that we would never would have had. Otherwise, unless, right? Otherwise. And I was yeah, I was telling you earlier, but um I just came back from my first time going to mass again since March. Here in Nevada, we are on strict build phase two, um, only 50 people at mass at a time. And I went to mass and it was the most amazing thing. And earlier this week, I got my hair done for the first time since March, which was crazy. It was getting a little bit unruly. And I was talking with my hairstylist, who's just phenomenal. And so she's a hairstylist and her husband is an entertainer because we're in Nevada and that's what just what people do. And she was saying that as they're going through COVID, if someone had told her prior to COVID, that they were going to go three and a half months with no income. She said she would have sworn they would have been on the streets. They would have been homeless and, and uh, you know, not been able to survive. But she was saying as she went through and was having these, you know, moments with her family, they were really getting in touch with their needs versus their wants and making decisions that, you know, really kind of focused on family and family time and saving money and, and not things that you normally would have thought of as fun. So, I don't, it just got me thinking about the lessons we could take from COVID. Um, I don't know if your students have taught you anything or or what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, my students have, have taught me a lot of things. It's so interesting. It's the same thing. Like if you would have told me that I would have been, well, thank God I, I didn't lose my job. But more than my students teaching me things about during COVID, one of the things I'm sorry that they taught me is just the the beauty of of community and actually being together and getting together and how much as humans, we really do crave that. I, I'm a person that loves my alone time and I live alone and I love living alone. But even in that, like I missed being able to be in front of my students and just like hug them or handshake them, or we do like hugs and handshakes and high fives and just being in community is so important. Um, it's a huge part of our faith, but just part of being a human being, like you need people around you. So I really was surprised how much I missed them. It was crazy how much I missed these little 10 year olds that I teach. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just, it made me kind of reevaluate and, and be so grateful that I, that I didn't lose my job and that I have this beautiful job where I'm able to be around children, which are like the most beautiful thing in the world is children. So it's just, I was very, learned to be very grateful for a lot of things during this time. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, as a yeah. parent, we, te- we appreciate our teachers at a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, for real, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And really the I'm best things sure. in life are, are free, especially when you have the little ones that you're, they don't need crazy trips to, you know, amusement parks, even though those are fun once in a while or, or, you know, going shopping all the time as a recreational activity. It's these 
little special moments with them that I think we're going to take forward with the this COVID lessons and hopefully just realize that really the best things are free and they're just such little blessings, these yeah. little moments of sweetness. And hopefully we can remember they them really and have been. really have been and yeah, just move forward kind of learning lessons from the hard stuff, but also taking the good stuff and not forgetting that going forward. But yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, well, for sure. yeah. And today we have a wonderful guest. We're really looking forward to having him. His name is Aaron. I'm going to go ahead and bring him on up. All right. Hi, welcome, Aaron. Hi, how are y'all doing? Good, good. So Aaron is the author of Dollars and Saints blog. If you have not read it yet, we're going to put that link in our notes so you can go ahead and check it out. Um, John and Evelyn, our founders, found Aaron's blog. I don't know how weeks ago or something, months ago, and uh, really good stuff on there. It was really impressive and very well thought out and really from a faith-based perspective, which we, we appreciated. And so we reached out to Aaron and had a conversation and realized he's in the world of cybersecurity. So he agreed to come on and talk with us about his career and how he's able to see a vocation within his career, but also about some cybersecurity tips because we are all online constantly these days. Um, and I'm sure we're exposing ourselves in a whole new way that we're not, you know, really taking into account. So we appreciate you being here and talking about those topics. Sure, sure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So can you tell us about your career in cybersecurity? So what does a normal day look like to you? Sure. So uh, I'm the Chief Information Security Officer at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, so that makes me the Director of Cybersecurity. Um, Really, my overall role is to manage cyber risk, if you will. Um, as far as an overall day, it can be, I would say, it can be very routine at times, but then other days it can be very um, non-routine if we have an incident or if we have um, um, a potential hack attempt or you know, a, a successful hack attempt. So that can certainly, um, yeah, it can certainly make the day non-routine, but in general, I would say um, I really try to take a disciplined approach when it comes to practicing cybersecurity at the university. So every day I have my schedule uh, very much marked out where I address given projects and try to make incremental progress on those projects. Yeah, and so you have this career in tech and you also, it's very obvious to me through your blog that you really value your faith and you have kind of interesting faith journey um, story that he had shared with us uh, during our meeting. I don't know how much you want to share in this podcast. Sure. It's up to you. But um, I'm curious how, because I know there's a lot of us who have these jobs in tech and these different jobs where it's hard to see um, how our faith integrates with these jobs. And I feel like you've done a beautiful job of realizing that association and then using it within your career. So can you tell us about that, how you came to that conclusion and, and how you use that to grow? Sure. I think um, uh, as far as my faith background, I grew up, I would say, culturally Catholic, but then I wasn't confirmed until I was 27. And thankfully, I had an RCA teacher who was just a tremendous teacher and just very much um, got to the heart of the faith, the foundation of the faith, and was able to I'd say light a fire within me. And so in that period, there, there came a period of discernment when it came to the religious life. And then even further, there were you know some of the more existential questions that were that were raised as far as um, I think the questions that we all have to face, you know, at some point, you know, what am I doing here? And so whenever you take that question and apply it to your profession, it um, 
it begs the question, how am I helping the kingdom? What am I doing to, to grow the kingdom? Or am I growing the kingdom in my, in my current career, in my current position? Um, and so, you know, I think with my current role, it really, uh, initially when I stepped into cybersecurity about, um, goodness, 10 years ago, yeah, it, uh, I had to really sue on that question as far as, you know, how do I, um, how am I helping the kingdom versus somebody like Diana who is a teacher, you know, or, or you as a mom, you know, there's a very tangible, there's a very tangible element to growing the kingdom there. Um, so in cybersecurity, I, I really had to dive into that and realize that, okay, I do have my place in the kingdom. Uh, I have my place in, in uh, the body of Christ and I'm, I'm functioning as this one piece. And it's an important piece. You know, all of our pieces are important. So in that way, I think, uh, understanding that, um, also engaging in the young Catholic professionals organization that really helped me to understand the dignity of the work that I do have. And can you tell us a little bit more about Young Catholic Professionals for those who aren't familiar? Sure, yeah. Um, uh, it's an organization that was founded, I believe, in 2010 by a young lady named Jennifer Ball, uh, founded in Dallas, Texas. And so um, uh, the mission of, of uh, YCP is to help, help young adults understand how to work and witness for Christ. And uh, they uh, have, I would say, twice a month uh, meetings where they'll have an executive come and speak. They'll have a, a once a month networking happy hour. And so I think through that organization, I really learned to uh, appreciate the dignity and work. All right. Well, the, just talking with the same thing that we're talking about there, what is some of the most common questions that you get from people who are coming to seek your advice and your, your services? Like what's something that most people seem to be asking you that is not common knowledge to the lay people who are not in cybersecurity? This is a great question. I think um, it really made me wonder if anything, um, I mean, one of, honestly, probably the, the approach I see the most is maybe a lack of questions and more of an apathy and uh, understanding that, you'll, that you're being taken care of by mm -hmm. default. And financial institutions and your banks, for instance, you know, they do have a good level of, of security there, but there's certainly more the typical person can do. And so, um, for instance, you know, I know with my mom and dad, they're extremely cautious, which, you know, as a child, I did not like. But now as an adult who, you know, can sue, you know, watch, <laughs> who cares about his parents a lot and his family a lot. I love that. I love that. I can trust my dad to be you know, very skeptical. I love it. <laughs> At the same time, you know, I, I still encourage them to, you know, to adopt some best, best practices. And um, yeah, so I do have some advice and guidance I try to give them. That's great. I'm glad that I feel the same way about my parents. Some things that they told me as a child, I'm like, really? Like, you're so old. You don't know what we're talking about now as an adult. I'm like, oh, I see now. You make a lot mm -hmm. more sense that I'm on the other side of things. So mm -hmm. thanks for that. I appreciate your answer. And Aaron, what do your parents do that you now realize was brilliant that they've been doing to protect themselves? Mm -hmm. And are there steps that they take on a daily basis to protect themselves that you now use? Or are there things that they do that's actually detrimental to their cybersecurity? That can hurt them in the long run. I think you know one step. Um, one you know one step they've taken is a step that I really encourage you know my peers and the various stakeholders at the university to take. It's that of um, a healthy level of questioning and skepticism. So, for instance, if you receive a phone call or an email that's unsolicited, especially um, especially one if it has a 
it conveys a you know extreme sense of urgency, um, i.e., get back to me now. I need to talk to you now. You know, or you know, um, your account's compromised. You know, please, please, please do this. Um, it's important to pause and to realize, okay, where is this coming from? It says, you know, this person indicates they're, you know, indicate they're with the bank or with, you know, an investment firm. You know, it, it's great to pause and to really, you know, ask the question, are they really from that investment firm or from that bank? And so I think with my parents, one thing I'm really grateful for is whenever they do receive the phone calls, like we all do from scammers, um, they, you know, typically hang up. You know, you know, and or have enough, you know, sense about them to question the, the origin of this and you know, whether they should follow. And even further, you know, they understand that, OK, the initiation should take place from them to the bank from them to the investment firm, if you will, when it comes to transferring sensitive personal information rather than having somebody call me from supposedly the IRS. And, oh, yes, I'll give you my social security number. Yeah. Do you see that a lot? It happens a lot. Um, I have a relative who uh, received a phone call from supposedly from Microsoft indicating their wireless network was broken or the computer was broken. And so, um, you know, a $300 credit card transaction later, plus allowing them to, to connect to the computer, you know, after a couple hours, they realized this doesn't seem very legitimate. And wow. um, so what happens, and even at work, we receive plenty of calls, plenty of uh, uh, scam emails. I mean, it's a daily, it's a daily, issue and some days it can be very heavy just a lot of volume just uh, malicious emails that's so crazy right yeah. right yeah <clears throat> and when you're in the moment though I, I imagine someone who's maybe a little bit older and not as tech savvy if you get an urgent phone call that might spike your adrenaline and then you're not in the best state of mind to make yeah. a healthy decision yeah yeah for sure um for sure you know i think one, you know, one common technique that you see now, I received one of these emails recently was um, receiving an email with your, you know, a password. If you typically use passwords across given websites, um, many of these have been compromised. Well, I received an email with my password, a commonly used password in the subject line. And so you see it in your first thoughts, oh, you know, oh my, my password's out. Um, and so, yeah, your your initial reaction is to respond to do something quickly but it's often in your best interest to slow down and to you know, pause step away and give it some thought so i'm sure in your position you're dealing with people who are trying to take advantage of others uh, through email through phone through text or whatever means they can do and you're probably seeing a lot of the bad in the world um, and people trying to take advantage of others so what things do you do in your career and in your daily job um, to keep you focused on the kingdom of God, keep you reminded that that you're in this um, helping people and for the greater good. Because um, I'd imagine it can be a heavy position, right? As you're dealing with people who are, you know, maybe clicked on the wrong email and now the entire department they're working with is compromised. So can you tell me how you resolve that within your career? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, I, it's been a blessing that I'm able to, you know, even during a, a stressful day, I'm able to walk away from it in the evening. Um, I love working out. I love to run. Uh, I love working out. And so that's certainly an outlet. I think it's a, a blessing from the Lord to, yeah, to be able to walk away and to enter into that, to relax and to let it go. I think, too, you know, I, um, 
and you know, understand how much effort my team spends, the university university spends with cybersecurity. At the same time, I realize, you know, we all make mistakes, and you know, um, I mean, you know, I you know, I very well may, may make a mistake before too long that you know might you know compromise one of my cybersecurity roles, if you will. And so it happens, and so having that uh, the understanding helps to alleviate some of that stress, and just knowing that. I tend to believe that most people are doing their best and trying to do their best. And so that tends to, you know, take some of that edge off. I think um, as far as, you know, seeing the light of the kingdom and trying to understand the positive, I am, I try to pursue a very, I say very, in my, for me, relatively disciplined approach to life when it comes to a practice of, um, you know, for instance, in the morning, you know, I, uh, you know, I try to wake up, have coffee, have a shower, and then get into prayer and stay away from social media, you know, in the morning and stay away from TV and really focus on, you know, trying to order my life in such a way that, you know, in the, in the same way that I want to live it. So if, if my faith truly is my priority, then I try to make my prayer the first, one of the first things I go to. And so I spend time there. Um, I think it's incredibly important to practice gratitude daily and frequently. Um, so I start my prayer with that. Um, and that certainly helps to orient my mind from, you know, the negative, you know, if it is in a negative place to something positive and, you know, we're tremendously blessed. I'm tremendously blessed and focusing on that goodness. It helps to, you know, helps me to stay in a positive place. Um, I think further, um, having some accountability with my spiritual director who prior to the pandemic, I was meeting with monthly. Um, having accountability with a coach who I speak with twice a week. Um, she helps me to stay accountable to my goals, my priorities, uh, my ideals. And so uh, I think, you know, all of that, you know, of course, during the work day, I try to stay on a schedule when it comes to addressing priorities. And then after work, I really, um, I really, you know, focus on stepping away, getting into my workout. And then, um, yeah, uh, I think uh, I would say the discipline helps me to try to stay on the right track. Yeah, I love the word that you chose, which is discipline, because discipline, you know, uh, and, and disciple essentially means to be learning in a structured way, right? So it's not that you're getting stuck in a routine or you're, um, you know, doing the same thing every day. It's organizing yourself so you're moving forward, right? Um, and, and doing it as a disciple, which is the same word as discipline. I don't know. I just think that's an interesting uh, choice of word there, so I appreciate that. So that's that's awesome. Now, from what you were saying, I one of the things that I, I gathered is that it seems like you're really a steward for the Lord, which is seems to be a common thing. I know Caitlin and I have spoken about stewardship, and the Bible study talks a lot about stewardship as as what we're called to be. We're called to be stewards of everything that we have here on earth, and it seems like you do a really good really good job of of being a steward in all aspects of your life, and that's super awesome. So just great job on that. I think we need to make sure we encourage each other throughout throughout our days. Um, yeah, I just was curious about how you are bringing all of that together in your blog. I'm not sure how much you're, you want to share about that. I know um, it's part of part of what you do and it's part of a little bit of a, it seems more like a hobby, not so much part of your job. It's something you do on the side, but it is called Dollars and Saints. And I was looking through it and there's some really good stuff on there. So just kind of like, where did, where was that inspiration for that? And, you know, why, where, when, how did you, how did that come about? It just seems super awesome that you're doing that for us. So thanks. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I've said a few times to multiple people that 
if my career wasn't in cybersecurity that I, I you know I would love a career in finance. I find it just a fascinating field. Um, I love the depth in finance. I think um, I've probably said this before, but I think with finance, it's fascinating in that there's such a mathematical component, but probably even more so there's a behavioral and emotional component mm-hmm. you know, to finance and money. Uh, you know where. Yeah, I find that, you know, I find that whole, just that paradigm extremely interesting. I would say as far as a foundation, probably, you know, after I graduated from college, my brother taught my sister and I some some good money management habits. And then I would dive into it and then, you know, pull the thread more and more, if you will. Um, I think one, I would say maybe a catalyzing moment or catalyzing uh, event that helped me to start the blog was, um, uh, and this is a bit of a tangent, but I don't know if you all remember the the civil war in, in, in um, the Sudan in the late um, 2008, 2009, 2010 timeframe. But one of the very uh, one of the really interesting points I found about that civil war was that on the one hand, you had a dictator, um, uh, Omar, Omar al-Bashir, I believe was his name, persecuting a given people. And you had you know, most of the governments in the world. Uh, in, you know, putting in place an embargo on the country, so basically effectively cutting them off economically. But one of the streams of money into this country was a company called PetroChina. So China, China's nationalized oil company was looking for oil and gas in Sudan and paying money to to the dictatorial government. And so, so that you know, I found that thread interesting. You pull the thread further, and then you realize that many of the Mutual funds that mutual funds and index funds that Americans invest in through their 401ks and IRAs um, are invested in PetroChina through, you know, uh, through the index funds. And so it might be a fraction of a dollar, a fraction of a penny even of the money we're investing. But some of that was going through, you know, a given Vanguard fund. I remember seeing a Vanguard's one of the you know, giants in the index fund industry. So there were pennies of that money going through Vanguard to PetroChina, you know, indirectly supporting this dictator. And mm-hmm. so I found that, you know, really a moral dilemma where, you know, on the one hand, you're funding, trying to fund your investments, your retirement. But on the other hand, on the other side of the world, you're supporting, you know, and I, I take ownership of this. I was supporting, you know, this, you know, this dictator indirectly. And so long mm-hmm. story short, I think I found that the tie between morality and money to be fascinating. Mm. And I saw maybe a lack of a lack of depth, you know, on the internet when it came to these topics, and I wanted to explore that, you know, pull that thread a little bit more. Um, so I think that was the maybe a catalyst for me, and certainly it was definitely more of a hobby before. Um, I'm spending more time with the blog lately, um, and really enjoying it. So I'm hoping to do a little bit more with it here in the near future. Yeah, well, thanks so much for, for putting that together, honestly, because I, I went on there and you could have fooled me. I thought for sure you had finance background and that was like a side job that you had to do because it's super detailed. But what I really like about it is that it's it's language that's easy to understand. So you don't use like any kind of like fancy terminology where the lay person couldn't read it and get it. So it's super awesome. So if, if listeners haven't checked it out, it's Dollars and Saints and it's um, yeah, super informative, but really easy to read. And it's, if you have the time to get through it, it's very helpful information on there. So thanks so much for, for having that out there for us, Aaron. We really appreciate it. Sure, sure. You gave me a, a good idea for an episode coming up talking about some ethical investing, because that is a field now that that's growing. People are becoming more aware about 
where their money's going, especially mm-hmm. now that index funds and index funds have exploded. Um, right. So many people are just indexing and, and and letting it go for years, which which is a great thing when it comes to investing for your own retirement, usually. Um, but also we need to be aware about who we're supporting and is the, the companies we're supporting, are they in line with the teachings of the Catholic Church? And are we growing God's kingdom with our money here on earth? Mm, right. So that's that's a really good point. Um, all right. So keeping with the theme of the episode, which is your career in cybersecurity and how it's used to grow the kingdom. What and, and cybersecurity ties into finances perfectly because if you have ID theft, if you have um, you know, your information gets out there, this could be something that impacts you financially for years. So do you have any tips you want to share with our audience, things they can do, um, changes they could make uh, to help them with their cybersecurity, which will for sure impact their financial lives? Sure. Yeah, I think um, I mentioned earlier that I think, you know, being proactive with your cybersecurity is a, it's a good step to take for sure. Um, using the metaphor of home security, you know, one of the things we do at you know, our homes is that we, you know, keep our doors locked. Um, you know, keep uh, lots of light and visibility around the homes to try to minimize, you know, physical impact or minimize the uh, the appearance of being low hanging fruit or being an easy target. And so, I think in the same way with cybersecurity, I encourage people to take some, I would say, relatively easy steps. So, I think you know, one step would be to keep your computer, so your Windows computer, your Mac, your phones, you know, your internet browsers, keep them updated. That right there will eliminate so you know so many threats, so many vulnerabilities. Um, of course, you know the challenges. Updates can, you know come out continually, so you know I would encourage people. You know, like I encourage my mom and dad Sunday night to try to update you know monthly, um, and to spend that time doing it. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a relatively easy first step. Um, I think another another good step is to keep backups of your data. So if you have, especially sensitive data or investment data, anything you really you know, value, if you have it on your computer, keep it on an external hard drive or use an online backup company, you know, company like Carbonite or um, uh, Crash Plan, I believe is another one. There, there are many, many varieties, but make sure you back up your data. Um, you know, I think the protection, for, the protection there is that if your computer were to crash, which all of them are eventually going to, you know, you know, they're going to, there's end of life to them. They may die, and you know they may crash, and so you want your data to be safe. Also, if your computer, if your computer gets infected, and we're we're seeing a rash of this, you know, in, in business, if your computer is infected, sometimes the criminals will basically um, make your data inaccessible unless you pay them effectively a ransom. And so, um, having oh. having data backed up will will you know provide you an out. And there have been many businesses. If you Google ransomware, you'll see many businesses, you know municipalities that have had to pay up and for every one of those i'm guessing there's two that pay the ransom and don't go to the media to try to avoid being the media um so back up your data um i think see, me diana her eyes blew up with that i didn't know that i noticed was, i noticed that yeah wow wow <laughs> wow so how much will they do they usually pay out do they disclose that information is this sometimes it sometimes they do and it varies i think you know, if it's uh, the criminals are pretty sharp, sometimes they will target you know an organization, and they know the organization will have more money. So, you know, I'm not sure what it would what they would charge. Like for instance, me or you, it might be 
you know, first of all, you'll pay in cryptocurrency, so that way, you know. Oh, so it's not they, trackable. Exactly. Um, and so it might be a thousand dollars, two thousand. But businesses, some of them have been you know, held ransom for hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions. And so if you look up the city of Atlanta, city of Atlanta or city of Baltimore, one of them was held, you know, their data was held ransom. Um, in certain cases, they'll pay the criminals to get access to that data because, it, it, yeah, sometimes it's just business critical information. And other times, uh, in the case of Atlanta, the, the leadership may be, you know, very sour and just say, no, I'm not paying you. <laughs> and so they'll play. Wow. So there, it's an interesting, very interesting scenario that can play out. Wow. Yeah, those are some great tips. I, I know I need to start doing some of that stuff. The updating my stuff monthly is something that I, I always think about and then I never do it. But um, that's a really good reminder to get that done. And I think you had uh, I think you had four or five really detailed tips on your on your blog as well. Did you not have a whole blog about that? Yeah. 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 Um, I wrote about it. There's a few more points. I know one point, um, something we're doing at the university and something that I encourage my parents to do uh, is whenever you log into your bank or your investment investing account, make sure you enable what's called multi-factor authentication. Mm. So basically that means when you log into your bank, mm. not only do you enter your password, but it's gonna detect your phone or an app on your phone is just really you. And so the good part about this is it, it no longer means that you're a, pa- a stolen password away from having a hacker or a scammer into your bank account, or your investment account. Now it's that much more difficult to get to your money. And so, you know, again, this isn't foolproof. This doesn't make you, you know, invincible by any means, but it certainly means you're no longer the low hanging fruit. Right. And it, you know, prevents you from being an easy target. Yeah. Definitely a little bit harder to get to our stuff, which is the idea, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so you are very lucky. We have, we're going to try something out. We're trying something called a money hot seat. So basically, we just want to hear a short little story, a little anecdote maybe of um, maybe a mistake or something that you did that was not so perfect, either in your case with cybersecurity or were just maybe money-wise, like a purchase you made or an investment that you did that was really awesome with the idea. And then when it fell through, it was not so great. So we're calling it Money Hot Seat. And you're actually our, our first guest to do our Money Hot Seat. So we're excited to hear your story. Yeah, so I think... Um... The first instance that comes to mind is in college. Um, I think there may be a law now against it, or colleges no longer support it. But um, when I was in college, some credit card companies would set up a shop in the middle of the, you know, the common area, the, the quad, if you will. The free and T-shirts. Remember, Do you remember those? Yeah. <laughs> and I signed up for I don't know how many credit cards, three or five, for a free T-shirt, thinking oh, wow. that I was pulling, you know, I was pulling the wool over their eyes, you know, getting a free T-shirt out of it. <laughs> yeah, and so I know it's ridiculous. And so, you know, afterwards, once I you know left college and realized, oh, there's this thing called a credit report. You know, and I have you know three or five or however many credit lines open for credit cards. Yeah, I realized, okay, that wasn't harmless by any means. You know, I did not win that one, and so I had to go up. I had to go back and close several of those credit cards, and yeah, just to clean things up and not have so many credit lines open. Oh wow. Well, hopefully yeah. it wasn't too big of a mistake, but at least you got some free shirts, right? Like it wasn't total loss. Yeah, I think I remember afterwards thinking the shirts are pretty crummy and not wearing them. So. <laughs> you didn't want to remind her of that day anymore. No, no. Oh man, well, thanks for sharing that story. That's a, that's a, I'm sure you're not the first or the last to make that mistake. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you, Erin. We appreciate you being here. And that was really interesting. And you had some really great takeaway tips for our for um, our listeners. And also, I think it's just really important for everyone to think about how their job, how their whatever they do on a daily basis can be used to serve the Lord. It does not matter what you do. Yeah. Do it to serve the Lord. And there's some really great quotes. I, I There's one I was reading yesterday from Martin Luther King. I need to go look it up and I'll, I'll post it in the description. But it was talking about, you know, even a street sweeper. If you're going to sweep the streets, do that to serve the Lord. So, yeah. and this quote goes on. It was the most beautiful thing. But um, it doesn't matter what you do. We are here to grow his kingdom, to serve him. And um, yeah, we just appreciate you being here and, and sharing the insight because uh, even today, just being on the podcast, you have served him by providing this yes. insight to someone who may have not have thought of these things. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you, you so being much. here. Sure. Yeah. Thank you all for hosting. And thank you for having me. Thanks, Aaron. For more information about Compass Catholic Ministries, including the various Bible studies and services that we offer, please visit compasscatholic.org. If you enjoy Money Stories, please share it with a friend. You may also like Compass Catholic's other podcast, Manage Your Money God's Way, available wherever you get your podcast. If you have any comments about today's show or suggestions for future shows, please email us at info at compasscatholic.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.